Major support for Out to Lunch provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. Additional support for Out to Lunch from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, Inc. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Once a week, I have lunch at Commander's Palace and invite guests from the world of New Orleans business to join me. We've gone to great lengths over the past couple of generations to try and eradicate gender bias from business. We've told our daughters they can achieve anything, and we've identified and tried to dismantle the glass ceiling to the boardroom and other spheres of business influence. So I was pretty surprised to hear about a book about investing called Warren Buffett Invest Like a Girl, and you should too. Thankfully, it's written by a woman, uh, Luann Lofton. Luann spent years as an investment advisor before writing this book, and she's going to give us the benefit of her distilled gender-based wisdom uh, today at lunch. And whether you're a man or a woman or Warren Buffett, making good investments relies on good information. Locally, for current information, we've turned to the business section of the Times-Picayune, but now that the newspaper has moved to a web-based service, they have competition. Silicon Bayou News is a New Orleans business news website with a focus on tech and entrepreneurial business. Julia Ballard is the assistant editor at Silicon Bayou News and is also my guest on Out to Lunch today. Julia, uh, Luann, thank you for coming. Thank you for having us. It's great. I'm finally the best looking guy on the show. <laughs> this is a, things, are, things are working out here. Uh, Luann, a few generations ago when girls were girls and authors were mostly alcoholic men, um, there, there was an unspoken rule that uh, you had a guaranteed bestseller if you wrote a book about golf, cats, or World War II, which is how Harry Truman's Golf Tips for Cats got to be such a, such a big seller. Um, I imagine there's a similar rule among business book authors today. If you can get Warren Buffett's name in the title, you're on to something. Uh, did that marketing angle figure into your thinking in, uh, in writing Warren Buffett invests like a girl? No, absolutely not. No, no, not. of course, that's ridiculous. <laughs> so, so the, uh, what was yeah. behind it? <laughs> well, naturally, uh, I think we have a great title. You know, it's a little cheeky. Um, people react to it different ways. But behind it really lies a philosophy that men and women can, can both really hopefully embrace with both arms. You know, the book, the book's for all of us. It's really set to make all of us better investors. Um, the title hopefully grabs your attention and gets you in there, but then it's filled with information for men and women alike to make you a better investor. Well, now I've spent a day with Warren Buffett a few years ago out in Omaha with my students, and um, he isn't a girly man. So uh, <laughs> what, what is it about his investing style that might be considered female? <laughs> Well, it's interesting, you know, the studies on how men invest and how women invest really started coming out um, back in about like 2000, 2001. The, the first one that came out was called Common Stock, Gender and Investing, but the tagline for it, which I loved, was called Boys Will Be Boys. Um, and it came out of University of California, two um, scientists did it. And what they found was that women really, they have a longer term, term point of view. They take less risk. Um, they tend to be more patient when it comes to investing. They tend to look at it less as a, a game or a gamble or a way to keep score. Um, and when I looked at, at Warren Buffett, 
um, I really saw that same thing. I mean, to me, Buffett's really the antithesis of what we see on Wall Street. Absolutely. He's not a day trader. He's not acting out of a place just driven strictly by ego or this very testosterone driven kind of desire to kill the guy in the cubicle next to him. He's not out romping around on the trading floors. He's buying stocks. He knows fully that he understands. He understands the competitive landscape for them. He's famous for saying his uh, favorite holding period is forever. You know, he's <laughs> buying companies. He's not buying ticker symbols. And to me, Buffett really embodies uh, what, funnily enough, I think is a more feminine way of investing, a more patient, longer-term outlook. Um, and when I had a chance to ask Warren Buffett face-to-face -face if he thought he invested like a girl, he said he probably pled guilty. Wow. <laughs> wow. That is great. They, uh, and, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, him not you know, competing against everyone else. You know, when we were out there, one of the things, of course, we were surprised at is he lives in a very modest home and uh, drives an old car, and <laughs> which is unlocked in the street. It's kind of a, kind of a, kind of a strange thing. But, um, and men tend to be uh, more aggressive and maybe to their own detriment, huh? Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing that that first study really showed was that it was trading too much was really the undoing of all investors, both men and women in that study. But for men, a lot of that overtrading was driven by overconfidence, by thinking that you know more than you do. And what we found when we looked at further studies about this was that that was kind of consistently the case. It seemed like men just wanted to take action no matter what. If there's a hot stock tip, if there's hot this, you know, they heard something here. Um, they were just driven to trade, trade, trade. Whereas when you have Buffett, I mean, look at the companies he's owned forever. Coca-Cola since the 1980s, Geico, Dairy Queen, Through the Loom. I mean, you know, these are all companies that we can relate to and understand. And Buffett, when he buys in, he's expecting to hold on for forever. That's right. And I think so many people today think of stocks as kind of a, you know, a ticker symbol, a lottery ticket or something like that. It's, it's, it's not that, that is, um, that is terrific. Julia, every good writer relies on a good editor. Uh, what you decide to cut out of a piece can be as important to the way it reads as what stays in. Now, editing a book is a leisurely exercise measured in months, but editing for a newspaper is a lot more stressful with daily deadlines. What do you at Silicon Bayou do when you edit pieces that, because they're immediate, they're current, they're updated, and they're on the web all the time. For someone in your position, it would seem like you'd have no downtime. Uh, do you ever just turn off the phone and the iPad, or do you integrate your work right into your life? Is there, is there an off switch to you? There is, believe it or not, an off switch. I start working, excuse my voice, um, at about 8 every morning, and I'm done by 5. But if I do get a, you know, an email or a call saying this is a story that needs to go out right away, I'm pretty much there. Because I can be online anywhere, even if I'm not in Louisiana or not in the city. I just tune in, get on my computer, get on my Wi-Fi, and I'm there ready to work. Because um, our publisher at Silicon Bayou News, Zach Kupperman, actually is a full-time lawyer. And editor-in-chief Molly Omakin also has a full-time position where she travels all the time. So if someone's, you know, not available... Full-time position doing something else. Yes, yeah. doing something else, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I also have a second job. So, you know, we try to be as tuned in as possible, get breaking stories out if possible. But, you know, there are times where I just put my phone down, you know, not looking at it for an hour, two hours, not checking my email. Um, but also the great thing is that we're 100% online. So if there is something that needs, you know, editing or updating later, that can happen. So we're this is not the way, you know, somebody my age would view like an old newsroom or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're totally separate from mm -hmm. each other and, uh, and it works. Yeah, works really well. I've been working there since, um, I think early February and I've loved every second of it. I mean, I really can't complain. Who I work with is great. Companies I find out about the startups, the entrepreneurs in the city, 
are all great. What, do, mean, what do you think of the uh, entrepreneurial community here? I mean, you just kind of plop yourself in here. Is <laughs> it, uh, seems pretty vibrant. I, mean, I would say so. I mean, people, people compare uh, New Orleans, Denver, Boston, Austin to the Silicon Valley, and they say, you know, which is going to be the next Silicon Valley, and I honestly think New Orleans will be. I mean, we're already halfway there. I mean, all these amazing companies that are coming out of here are like coded in New Orleans, but born and bred in New Orleans, all the founders, and just I think it's the best startup scene. Well, it's also the biggest secret in this town. Now, what is it that's attracting <laughs> them? Is it, uh, what do you think they like about operating a business here? You know, I think it's a probably a mixture of everything. There's co-working spaces. I work out of Launchpad. There's the Ice House. There's Beta. So you have all this creative energy around you at all times. You know, instead of in competition with other companies, they're friends of yours, and they can help you out if you had a question or if you were looking for an investor connection or just any general networking. I think co-working and a lot of the office spaces are, you know, the place to do that and the place to be for people wanting to start up a company. You know, I was, I was up in Boston a couple of weeks ago and they were talking about their entrepreneurship community and how well it was doing, but it was missing the hip factor that, you know, the bars <laughs> weren't were closing too early and things. Right. I thought, now here's Two one we can win. Yeah, there's a, <laughs> there's a way to do it much better. Luann, where do you get, you know, we've got a woman here that uh, has this, this business site. Where do you get information as an investor? I mean, you did this for years and wrote a book. What, what do you look? Do you look under rocks, what do you, what do you, what do you get? <laughs> well, I'll say, you know, it's so much easier um, this day and age. I mean, the internet has just revolutionized the access that we have to free quality investment education. You know, one thing that really made me laugh when I was researching the book was the stories of poor little Warren Buffett having to go down to the library and drag out these thousand page Moody's manuals and S&P 500 manuals and they wouldn't even let him use a copier so he'd have to hand copy all the information to go home and I, we have it so lucky. Okay, we have no excuses um, in this day and age. And you know, one site that is close to my heart, I'm the first to disclose, I've worked for a long time with The Motley Fool. It's www.fool.com. And a great we're site. a great um, resource for not just investing information, but all aspects of personal finance. Really, our, our goal is to just make you better, um, smarter about your money. And we have tons of free information there. And then honestly, a lot of uh, you know, websites for companies now um, will have an investor um, relations tab on, and you can get great stuff, go straight there to get directly you know, for uh, the 10Ks and the 10Qs and information from the company. Um, and then I love places like Yahoo Finance, honestly. It's a great it's aggregator great. site, you know, just put a ticker in and you can get information from a ton of different And the uh, companies now, you can look at the uh, archive conference calls, their PowerPoint. Oh, yeah, it's, it's incredible, the access that we have. And we have it, again, we have it so easy. Um, and it's the irony, of course, is that Buffett hates technology, he doesn't use a computer, so he didn't <laughs> even take advantage <laughs> of this fact, um, but you know, we. We should, I think. Now, what about when you look at the at business news in here? I mean, uh, you're not obviously not just an aggregator. I mean, you're not just people aren't just coming to you with the news. Where are you? Who do you have out there digging around? Well, believe it or not, a lot of people do just email me. I give out my email address and phone number to anyone that asks because I'm happy. I mean, I read all my emails. I'm happy to re respond to people, even if it doesn't quite fit with what we write about, which is you know tech startups and entrepreneurship in the Silicon Valley, which is all of Louisiana. Um, but, you know, I do search around. There are some sites and some, some companies that we like to focus on, you know, either whether it's the co-working spaces or we have some New Orleans Chamber events we write about or the Louisiana Technology Council. So, you know, if there's something I'm not getting an email or a call about, I'm going to go to their sites and look for the news there. Now, um, sometimes, you know, big companies, you know, you can talk to 
public relations or investor relations. These small companies is usually just the same two people that are <laughs> they're also molding the plastic. It's uh, mm -hmm. do, you, do you, you just kind of make a connection there and then yep. uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, people are very, very sweet here. They're so nice. They'll give me information when I ask. If I'm reaching out to a CEO or a founder of a company, they'll be the ones that actually respond most of the time instead of, you know, passing off to someone else to respond to me. And what do you see as trends? I mean, uh, do you, are there certain businesses that are certain, starting to feed off each other or you're starting some clustering? Are there industries that are doing well? I mean, since we focus mainly on technology, I've noticed recently I've been writing about a lot of different types of apps. Um, Chris Boyd from Aptitude, he founded the company after the, doing the Be Nola Bound project. He's been working uh, with a lot of different, you know, there's a fashion designer, Jolene Elizabeth company. He's been doing some other things. Um, I can't think of them But bringing the top technology of my to these people. Right, yeah. so he's bringing technology to these people. And then I've ri written about him. We do an all about you section. But then I've also written stories about all the other apps and all the other companies. So I think that's one connecting factor is the, you know, the need for applications. Most everyone has an iPhone or an Android. And that's one of the things that I do see you know, repeating over and over and over. And it's a trend that I'm seeing. Well, I envy a little bit of momentum, and that's what we're glad to see here. You know, now's the time we usually go to the checklist. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I think <laughs> very few people have died at the checklist part. They, uh, this is the part Honest. of the show. <laughs> we, we take a little break and ask you a couple of questions that you probably wouldn't find on a on a loan application. So um, okay. just to find out a little bit more about you, the, uh, I'll, I'll start with you, Luann. Um, what were you thinking I might ask you today that I haven't asked you yet? Hmm. Um... Not like favorite color. I mean, something deeper than that. <laughs> something <laughs> deeper than that. Yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed you didn't ask my favorite color. <laughs> I'm colorblind. That's really what's else. held me back. It's well, I mean, I guess probably, um, you know, how I got started as an investor. Yeah, my yeah that's right. Because, I mean, you came from Mississippi, right? Yes, I'm from Mississippi, born and raised, and was not raised um, in a household that talked about investing. My dad was a pharmacist. My mom is a writer on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And... Uh, and my father passed away, sadly, when I was 14, and um, I knew when I turned 21, I mean, I wasn't thinking about this at 14, but maybe a couple years out of high school, I knew I'd be inheriting a little bit of money at 21. And I was literally scared to death of ruining that opportunity, yeah. of disappointing my father even after he was gone and disappointing myself. And so I just decided um, a couple years out of high school to learn about investing and just do it on my own. I didn't trust anyone else to do it. And I stumbled across a biography of Warren Buffett and uh, something clicked, you know, clicked in my heart and clicked in my head. Like I loved his story of this kind of kid from Omaha that had gone to Manhattan and could have done all that and obviously studied with Ben Graham and but then wanted to go back home, wanted to go back to Omaha and um, and be that guy there. And then I loved his, as we talked about earlier, his investing philosophy of only investing in companies he really understands and then holding on to them forever. And to me, that made so much sense. I mean, I'd been looking at day trading and technical analysis and this and that. And here was this guy that I thought so perfectly uh, I, you know, idea of just, it just made so much sense to me. Um, and so that's really how I got started. You were so lucky that that was the book you pulled <laughs> off the shelf. There are thousands of books where I you know. would be homeless today. I, that's I a, know. That is, uh, that is <laughs> and that started me on my journey right there, honestly, is that it's just weird. Life is so funny that way, that that one little biography and now here we are. Wow. Talking about Mr. Buffett yet again. That's what I should have read to my children. Back <laughs> with Goodnight Moon. There's uh, the, there's uh, what about yourself? Is there something I didn't ask about the uh, what you're doing over there? That I guess it would be almost the same thing. You know, how did I end up in New Orleans? Yes, that's right. From you're Massachusetts, and then how did I become a writer? I studied psychology in college, 
graduated last year and I think kind I just of a self-treatment kind of thing. <laughs> There's a, I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. But then I, the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? My mom was an English major, great writer. My dad also, he owns his own multimedia company. So sort of the fusion of me working now at Silicon Bayou writing every day or Monday through Friday. And then my uh, other job as a social media consultant is sort of picking up on both my parents and what they do. And I feel like it's the perfect fusion there. And that's why I'm in New Orleans. That is great. We're going to take a look at our lunch money. That's another part of the show here. Lunch money is our out-to-lunch stock portfolio. And I was looking around at some of the other, every week we have guests come up with a stock pick. And I was looking around at some of the big winners. And interestingly enough, uh, we get a lot of technology suggestions, but the two big ones have not been from there. Um, uh, SK, who was here from Bioceptive, recommended Bayer, the big uh, chemical and pharmaceutical company. That's been terrific. And Jess from the, uh, the yoga studio had recommended Lululemon, which is the... Uh, the, was it the clothing and all for yoga and yeah, athletics? Yeah. So, so the two big winners were not, not the ones you hear about all the time. But I'm dying to find out what, what you folks uh, are interested in. Uh, who wants to go first? Did you pick a stock for us? I did. I chose LinkedIn, actually. I think partially because of my social media consulting work that I do. But also because they're, right now I looked at the numbers, they're at about probably $118. And Facebook's down at 22 or something. And so you're thinking, I mean, they've been around longer. They've been founded in 2002. They keep acquiring companies, two companies this year. And I just think that they're a good example of a, well, it's a professional social networking site, but a, a solid social networking site. Well, that's And that's uh, LNKD is the ticker mm -hmm. symbol. I remember when LinkedIn first came out, I asked one of my assistants, a two-line young woman, I said, uh, what is LinkedIn? And she goes, Oh, Mr. Shooty, it's it's like Facebook for old people. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank you so much, Julie. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Feeling a lot better about things. What about Luann? What do you, what do you got? Um, I will say LinkedIn is a great company. So that is a, I think you'll be happy with that. But it's a, Molly Fool, we've recommended that on a couple of our newsletters. And um, our co-founder, Tom Gardner, is a big LinkedIn believer. So <laughs> he did good. Is he the guy that wears the funny hat? <laughs> they, we all do. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> He's the bald one that wears it. Though, <laughs> oh, so. oh, you're telling tales out of school now. <laughs> um, so my pick is Chipotle Mexican Grill. Oh, great. Ticker CMG. Um, it's been in the news lately because there's this big thing called the Value Investing Congress that happens every fall in New York, and it was last Tuesday. And there's this guy, David Einhorn, who's a big hedge fund manager, and everyone waits with just bated breath while he comes out and identifies his next short. And everyone actually this year thought it was... A stock he's negative yes, on. Yes, exactly. Okay, yeah. Sorry. No problem. <laughs> not his shorts. No, no, no that's... No a, one wants to see a, that. Yeah. No one wants to no, see it's that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was funny. He did Green Mountain Coffee Roasters last year. and Which had just, been a hot stock, right? Oh, and they just got killed. And so everyone this year thought he was going to do Lululemon or Lululemon. Yep. I'm not sure how to say it. Stretchies. Yeah, exactly. But he didn't. He did Chipotle. Ooh. And uh, the stock has been on a huge tear. Um, it has, it's off about 36% from its highs this year, following kind of a second quarter earnings disappointment. But um, while he had some concerns about valuation, which I totally understand, what was weird to me was his argument was that Taco Bell is going to take market share from Chipotle. Now, they're very different they're restaurants. They're incredibly yeah. different, and the clientels are different. I mean, is anyone going to Taco Bell when it's not 2 a.m. and you've been out all night? I'm just saying. <laughs> you're that going, run for the border. Yes, yeah, the they, fourth meal. I mean, that's how fourth they- Fourth meal, they, that's right. That's that was their own the advertising slogan. No mas. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, they've introduced this kind of new cantina menu that's supposed to be healthier and this and that. Whereas you have Chipotle, which is a company that really prides itself on quality ingredients and fresh ingredients, no antibiotics in their meat. You know, everything is uh, grass-fed and 
organic and this and that and and um and but they this is who you know chipotle really is this company so i just find it ridiculous that this is going to be an argument for shorting this company that taco bell is going to take chipotle's business i mean i think they can coexist and i think they have and they will continue to do so and chipotle now yeah you get it it's 36 percent cheaper than it was not because of him he only drove the price down maybe five percent last week right. um but it's a great stock. I will, it is still expensive, I'll say that, but it's a company that has 1,300 stores. They're about to open their first one in New Orleans, out in Elmwood. I went and looked at it the other day. Oh, that's right. We have not. We have no, not I mean, this is, they, they could easily double in the U.S., uh, you know, and um, they have so much growth ahead of them. If, yeah, we don't even have one here yet. So that's my pick. Uh, full disclosure, I am a Chipotle shareholder. That's right. I believe <laughs> in the company. That's right. Um, and I do not believe in David Einhorn. He is wrong on this one. So. Wow. We'll see. All right. This is some sort of like in-your-face thing that's to David. Right. I like that. They, uh, there's a, we'll have a wrestling match later after the, <laughs> after the show. There's uh, Luann uh, Loft and Julia Ballard. Writing is a talent and a skill that takes a lot of dedication. No matter how great your ideas are or how much information is floating around in cyberspace. We rely on writers and editors like you to communicate it all. You're an essential part of the business ecosystem, and I'm glad you've both chosen to live in New Orleans. Uh, thanks so much for joining me on Out to Lunch today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. Great to have you folks. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Luann Lofton, uh, author of Warren Buffett, Invest Like a Girl, and You Should Too, and Julia Ballard, assistant editor at Silicon Bayou News. To get a copy of Luann's book or to read Silicon Bayou News, follow the links on our sites. It's neworleans.com and wwno.org. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our web designer and digital Digital guru is Dr. Cliff Brigden. Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can keep up with our continuing adventures in Crescent City Commerce by liking It's New Orleans on Facebook, and you can sign up for our mailing list at itsneworleans.com. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at It's New Orleans. Now, to listen to past shows or get this show as a podcast, go to wwno.org or itsneworleans.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. Until we meet here around the table at Commander's Palace, I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937. Now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. Additional support for Out to Lunch from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, Inc.